by any means necessary. And we're going to keep the movement moving on, as they say. We're now happy to be joined by Greg Palast, investigative reporter and author of several New York Times bestsellers, including The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Always glad to be with you. Absolutely. And uh, Greg, we've seen the recent passage of the Freedom to Vote Act, which I have to say feels like a watered down version of the uh, original uh, voting legislation that Democrats were um, trying to put forward. And out of, you know, this uh, this this favorite concept of theirs of bipartisanship with Republicans, I think, along with um, issues coming from uh, the moderate wing of the party and the Joe Manchins of the world and things like this, it seems to have been pared down here pretty considerably. And so as someone who, you know, works a lot on just these sorts of issues, I'm wondering what you're feeling about the Freedom to Vote Act and, you know, the the, the process uh, that it went through to even get to this point. Well, okay, let's be straight about it. This bill ain't going nowhere. It doesn't matter how much they've watered it down, fertilized it down with uh, BS fertilizer, whatever. It's it, unless look, Joe Manchin has said voting has to be voting rights have to be bipartisan. We need the Ku Klux Klan to vote for it. You know, we need we need the guys who are stealing your vote. You know, it's it's like should we pass laws against bank robbery by asking the bank robbers, uh, you know, to make you know to agree to end their filibuster? That's what it's about. You're talking about vote. Manchin's talking about asking vote thieves to uh, agree to end their crime wave. That ain't going to happen. So it's a fake, whatever it is, watered or not. Now, I, I'm actually I'm, I'm one of those really weird people who's actually read through the 600-page Mansion bill, and I have to tell you, it's actually not that much watered down or, or different than the original 800-page bill. Um, both, by the way, are not miracles, and they're not going to really solve the problem, even if they pass. There's some idea that that this is some type of that if we pass a voting rights bill, it'll be magic sauce. I don't think so. But you have Manchin doing playing a game. He wants to say he's voting for voting rights, and and uh, Cinema and the rest of the right wing, Klobuchar and the rest of the right wing uh, Democrats are voting for voting rights. But it's an easy shot because by adding we have to get Republicans, it's saying. I don't care if it actually passes. So it's kabuki. It's it's a shadow play. And, you know, Greg, I'm wondering how the whole politics in the states has played out in shaping uh, this compromise that they're, you know, dancing around with on this vote voting bill. Because I think it's true that, you know, some states have have, you know, been very obvious, like Texas, um, about how they are going to. Uh, strip away people's right to vote in the states. So, I mean, you would think that would have given uh, politicians in in Washington a clear path to how to draft a bill uh, that would address those issues. But, I mean, do you think that this compromise bill did that? Um, Especially since, like you said, I mean, 200 whole pages of the original for the People Act uh, were eliminated, and did did this compromise bill that that Manchin heavily uh, 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 contributed to did it address any of those issues that are going on in the states as far as voting rights and the denial of them? Well, I mean, 
I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think either bill addressed any of the real issues that, that are causing people of color to lose their votes. Look, I've been in Georgia. I just came back from Georgia. I've been investigating that swamp, voting swamp, for nine years. And I've, I, as Martin Luther King III told me um, nine years ago, the reason I started there is that, you know, look, Greg, this is a, this is a, um, a blue state if they'd let us vote. It's not a matter of whether I agree that Democrats should be elected. It's a question of letting the people make that decision, not the Jim Crow trickery. And most of the games being played in Georgia would not be stopped by either bill. I want to tell you that right now. So, for example, um, um, I just came back. What SB 202, which was this bill passed by the Georgia legislature, which is basically, you know, Jim Crow, uh, you know, kind of sophisticated now, Dr. James Crow, cyber analyst, you know, it's a, and they, they are allowing, if you go to greatpalace.com, you can see this little clip of me challenging a GOP operative who has personally challenged, personally challenged 32,000 voters right to vote. 364,000 voters in Georgia are facing a challenge by these GOP operatives out of Texas. Now, understand, this is not being done by the state. I know this sounds complicated, but it's really simple. It's kind of a new vigilante thing, just like everyone's talking about the, the snitch rule in the new uh, Texas abortion law. This is like a snitch rule in Georgia where any one of your neighbors can say they don't live here anymore. And therefore, they shouldn't vote, except here's the, the really awful part of it. The list, which is created by this group in Texas called True the Vote, of Georgia voters who have moved. They haven't moved. I went down and met them at their homes. They haven't moved anywhere. I've put them on camera. We've talked to 800 of them. This is the most devastating attack on the voters of Georgia. It's going to go to uh, spread to Texas, to uh, Wisconsin. And the bill doesn't address this at all. It's the number one new threat to voting. Uh, and that's out of Georgia. You know what they did deal, SB 202 in Georgia did say that you could literally go to jail, commit a felony crime, a felony crime. If you, if you give someone a slice of pizza or a glass, you know, some, uh, some water while they're waiting in a five hour line to vote. And I brought that, I, I broke Pat's story about that ridiculous, insane rule in Georgia. And that they're fixing. You can't go to jail now if you give someone a slice of pizza while they're waiting in line. Uh, and, and, and by the way, that's not a theoretic. I filmed Papa John's pizza feloniously giving out food to people waiting to vote. Um, but yeah, they've dealt with the pizza, but they haven't dealt with the meat. And so, I, you know, but, you know, like I say, it's all kind of academic. In fact, it's kind of three-card Monty. They're really pulling a stunt on people by saying the Democrats care about your vote if you're a voter of color, if you're a young person. Not enough. Not enough to actually put protections into law. Yeah, and, and I think you made an important point a little earlier, um, Greg, when you mentioned how really neither version of these bills really sort of spoke to the very root of these problems. And, you know, you're someone who has sort of documented, you know, a, a vote theft and really voter suppression on both sides of the aisle, on both Democrats and Republicans. And so I'm wondering why why you think that's the case and why it seems that the two ruling parties in the United States, a country that, you know, valorizes the the, the act of voting and why they employ uh, so many resources to try to keep people from having access to a, a fundamental uh, democratic right that, you know, they'd say that they care about so much. Well, you know, for the, you're right about one thing is that 
it is a bipartisan game. Now, when you're knocking out voters of color, you're doing two and young voters. You're knocking out progressive voters. In the and, and so in the Republicans don't want these progressive voters in the general election, but the Democrats. Here's the nasty little secret: Democrats don't want them in primary elections. So, for example, this little committee that drafted this bill uh, included Alex Padilla of California. He was appointed, not elected. And I did an investigation of Padilla and his vote rigging, and there's no other way to put it, uh, in California, where we have a one-party state, Democrats. There, there aren't, you know, as we saw from the recall vote, there, there are no Republicans in California for, as a practical matter. So we have a one-party state, and they spend their time trying to shaft uh, progressives out of their votes, and they, as they did in the last primary, where for the Guardian newspapers, I did an investigation, and Bernie Sanders was shafted out of about a half a million votes in the in the last primary, and the same amount in 2016. So the Democrats have dirty hands. They don't want to fix this system because it brings in voters, for the most part, they don't want. And that's why um, in Georgia, where it flipped, and John Ossoff, uh, Reverend Warnock, and Joe Biden took that state in 2020, that wasn't the Democratic Party that brought out those votes. It was the activists in the streets. It was the independent organizations, um, you know, from everyone from uh, uh, Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson, who I was working with, to uh, the to um, um, the Transformative Justice Coalition, uh, Helen Butler and the campaign for uh, uh, New Georgia. These are groups which you may have not heard of, but they're the ones in the street. They're the ones pulling the people out, not the Democratic Party. And that's the problem. The Democratic Party is not committed to this fight. Yeah, you know, and as much as the Democratic Party makes a big deal about ending uh, corruption and getting money out of politics, the ethics rules that they agreed to take out of uh, the For the People Act uh, and and produce this compromise thingy, I think is quite telling, Greg, aside from, you know, removing the requirement that uh, presidential and vice presidential candidates submit 10 years of federal tax returns, uh, that's gone. That was taken out. But what are the other really important ethics rules that uh, the Democrats pretty much gave up? Uh, that they originally included in the For the People Act that are really important if they were serious about uh, getting money out of politics? Basically, all the ethics um, requirements were removed. Everything. I just read the whole bill. And um, the ethics requirements are pretty much canned. The only the only uh, new requirements are that you have to, you know, that they're trying to find out who is actually, um, if there's foreign money by making um media buys. That's all that's in the mansion bill is this whole thing, you know, the Russia, Russia thing, you know, that the, the Russians are buying the election. China's buying the election. Um, and, you know, in the end, just like with the Mueller, I read the Mueller report too, and there wasn't much evidence of that. Look, we, look, the, the, the Jim Crow, uh, operatives, the, uh, at the Republican party in Georgia and Arizona and Ohio and Texas don't need the Russians to tell them how to steal votes. Let me tell you that. So the, the only thing that's left is like, uh, the, the endless, uh, Russia, Russia hunt, um, controls. And by the way, if they really, really want to end foreign influence in us elections, the foreign money, then citizens United, uh, has, uh, the Congress does have the right 
to say, well, if you're going to be a corporation giving money to U.S. campaigns, you can't give money to U.S. campaigns if you have foreign stockholders. Remember, no, it's a, it's a felony crime for a foreigner to donate to a U.S. campaign or to accept money from a foreigner. Well, if a corporation like City, like uh, uh, Citibank, which is owned mostly the biggest stockholders are from Saudi Arabia. Um, they should not be allowed to make donations into our campaigns. We have tremendous Saudi influence, which is never discussed in our campaigns through their corporate ownership. And that's not addressed um, at all. Uh, by the way, and all the g- anti-gerrymandering sections have been taken out too, uh, because <laughs> for the same reason, Democrats, you know, Democrats uh, control only a minority of states. But in those states, they don't want to be told it's against the law to um, to jack with the uh, congressional lines. Yeah, and you know I appreciate you making that point, Greg. This this notion of really the the U.S. government, I mean, manufacturing you know so called foreign interference from countries that it deems as enemies, but you know you know completely glossing over the very real involvement of uh, the countries that the U.S. deems as allies. And you know, a little earlier you were talking about the groups that are really in the streets actually fighting for these um, uh, voting rights in the way that Democrats sort of uh, pretend to. And you know, I'm wondering what your experience has been with, you know, like them, because I feel like there's, you know, a number of organizations in different parts of the country. And I think uh, certainly in the South and uh, elsewhere where we see this and and those types of groups seems like a very important force in actually um, sort of uh, continuing uh, the struggle for uh, voting rights access that, you know, uh, as we've been saying, you know, continues to be uh, rolled back more and more. Look, I got to tell you, John Ossoff, who is the Democrat with Reverend Warnock, who, by the way, will be running again next year because he, he is fulfilling out a, a, a short term. Uh, Ossoff, Warnock, and, and Biden, who took the state of Georgia, to the Democratic Party's shock, by the way, because the people, it's because they didn't do the work. Latasha Brown and Cliff Albright of Black Voters Matter. They had their bus, buses going up and down the state. Those people made the difference. Uh, Helen Butler, who's with the Georgia Coalition for People's Agenda, probably a group you've never heard of. It was founded by the great Reverend uh, Joseph Lowry. And uh, she had people uh, out in those rural Georgia areas that make the difference. It is that Action now. I also did work with the and with, I issued a report last year on illegal removals of the voter rolls for the ACLU and for Black Voters Matter Fund. Uh, I even won a case in in court uh, to open the files of the Secretary of State, who was kind of their um, vote suppressor in chief. Uh, again, no help from the Democratic Party, but the people on the ground. And uh, there's a group, the National Bar Association, which is the African American Lawyers Guild. They were very, very active, um, and these things were not covered. Fred Gray, who, who, on his 90th birthday, by the way, appeared for me in a courtroom, a lawyer. He was Rosa Parks's lawyer, and then Martin Luther King's lawyer, uh, a legend, and no one knew about these actions by these extraordinary activists. And and that's what, you know, look, if you, if you want to change the vote, you're going to have to do it in the streets. 
You're going to have to do it by getting involved in the organizations that are going door to door, church to church, to bring people in, make sure that you check your registration and you haven't been purged from the voter roll. This is, these are the groups that make the difference. And, uh, you know, I mean, in a way that's good because we ended up, if it weren't for these groups on the ground, because they understand they not only defeated um, the, the Republicans in what's supposed to be a total solid red state, but they their candidates, other than Biden, Ossoff and Warnock, were extremely progressive. I mean, you have two, uh, two senators who are uh, basically as left-wing as Bernie Sanders in Georgia because they understood it's what the people— will be motivated by. And the Democratic Party was actually really very much afraid of these candidates. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. Definitely think that's the case. Well, we thank you so much, Greg, for joining us today. We're going to leave it there. We're moving to a break here on By Any Means Necessary. By Any Means Necessary. 